This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, September 18th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And there's a lot of news affecting markets today. None more important, as usual, than the Federal Reserve. So today was Fed Day. Happy Fed Day. So we're going to talk about that and what the ramifications were or will be on the markets based on this guidance. And that's what it's really all about. Everyone knew that the Fed was going to cut a quarter point, but what is their guidance going forward and how might that affect markets, both equity markets rate markets, maybe real estate markets. So we're going to talk about all of that coming up today. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you will call me with your investing questions during this hour. And if you do so, you can shape the show to your advantage. And we're going to help you today take your next step in your own path to financial freedom. We're going to do that with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So once again, our any timeline is open right now at 888 chart That's 888-992-4278. Now, here's a quick reminder about our upcoming Invest Talk event. Steve will be in, San, in New York City tomorrow and Friday to conduct no-cost portfolio reviews. And our next KPP Wealth Management Conference is set for October 12th in Irvine, California. It's titled Earning Yield in a No-Yield World, Investing in Real Estate Stocks and Bonds for Income. You can sign up for both of those or future dates to meet with Steve or myself. Just jump on a call. Whatever you want to do to get in touch with us, just go to investtalk.com. Now, my main talking point today centers around the headline, the federal government is seriously considering is seriously considering issuing a 50-year bond. And this is according to the U.S. Treasury Secretary. One objective would be to widen credit spreads to help reverse the inverted yield curve. So we're going to touch on why they might be doing that. Also, I'm sure you've heard more about, uh, a little bit about a market you rarely hear about or probably haven't heard much about since the financial crisis, and that is the repo market, the overnight repo market when it comes to banks borrowing from other banks. And the Fed had to step in. And this relates to something I've been talking about recently in regards to the deficit. And this is a big problem. This is a big problem. And I'm going to touch on the details more a little later. Also, FedEx had earnings. FedEx had earnings last night. And they were pretty poor. And as you know, FedEx is one of the largest economic bellwethers in the country, right? Most One of the most cyclical names you can think of. So we're going to touch on what the CEO of FedEx said in their earnings call. Also, another story I didn't get to on Monday, and that was about your parents' financial advice may be different today based on various factors, you know, talking about borrow money to buy a home, to go to college, etc. All those tried and true mantras, maybe they're not quite as true today. So we're going to touch on that as well. So 
That's what's on my mind, but ultimately I want to hear from you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. The hour goes by quickly, so I urge you to get your call in sooner rather than later. Now let's take a quick look at the market today. The Fed cut rates quarter point, and they really guided, I would say hawkishly. And when I say hawkishly, meaning I think only seven of the 17 members that are part of this meeting thought that there needs to be another rate cut within the next year. So it's, it was a continuation of that mantra that, yes, they're ready to act if there are problems, but this is a mid-cycle adjustment. And I think this was what the Fed's telling the markets. Unless there's problems that we see, we're not going to cut anymore. That's kind of what the message was, which is pretty interesting. Now, he did say, Jerome Powell, he did say that maybe they might want to expand the balance sheet sooner than they had expected, right? Which basically is going back to QE. It's what he's saying. So that was the most dovish wording that he had during the press conference, right? Because he did have a press conference that went on for roughly an hour or so. And that relates directly to what I just uh, talked about, the funding market and the deficit. And that is really the next step. So we're going to touch on that a little bit more later. The markets rallied. Uh, typically, the first move is not the is usually reversed when it comes to the move in the markets post-Fed announcement. You get a move one way, Oftentimes that reverses, but that also doesn't mean that it can't be the more longer term uh, trend as well, right? So we were down initially, we rallied pretty hard, probably on those comments that, oh yeah, we might do QE at some point in the near future. I think we get through this week, tomorrow, Friday, probably market not doing a whole lot. Uh, and I think next week is when you'll really get the digestion of which way the market goes. Are we going to break out uh, or are we going to fail? And frankly, I think we fail simply because the Fed's hawkish. The Fed is saying, we're not going to give you more stimulus, right? And usually when the Fed sees a Fed that is too hawkish, it revolts, right? By selling assets, selling off uh, assets in general, right? You saw that in the fourth quarter of last year when the Fed was on this strong tightening cycle, and the market basically revolted. It said, we're selling off, we're going to sell off, you're going too far, and it forced the Fed to pivot dovishly, and I think that's what will likely happen again. I think we're going to repeat of that here in 2019. Now, let's grab a question from our Anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. This is Gary from Massachusetts. I just wanted to ask a question for your radio show and your opinion on Costco. Thank you very much, and I'll be listening. Take care. All right. Looking at Costco. I don't know if I need to really explain to everybody who Costco is, but this is a name that has been strong for a long, long time. And the big question here I would ask if it was a live caller is, you know, is this a trade or is this a long-term hold? Clearly, Costco is a very strong business, very consistent, but it is cyclical. And if you go into recession, it's certainly going to dampen the sales, uh, maybe some can cancellation of memberships, etc. It's a very, very good long-term 
buy and hold business. Pays 1% dividend, not exciting, but it is extremely expensive at these levels. You're talking about an operating earnings yield of only 367 I like to see that six, seven, eight percent or higher. An enterprise value to EBITDA of twenty the, on a name that's likely going to grow roughly at the size of the overall economy. Certainly, they have some growth potential and expansion, but they're pretty saturated here in America, and they could expand overseas, etc. But it's a it's a business that produces really strong return on capital, trailing twelve months about eighteen percent return on equity, twenty six percent. So a great business. The Trend is much high, it is strong. There's really nothing that I'm seeing that makes me say that uptrend is going to break soon. But if the market breaks lower, absolutely this will break lower. Just go back to where we were in uh, the fourth quarter of last year. You had a high where the market had a high of about 245 and it fell all the way down to 190. So if you have a repeat of that, don't expect Costco to buck the trend. It will absolutely go with it. So if it's a buy and hold investment, I love it. Uh, I don't love the price, but eventually I think their fundamentals will catch up. However, I don't love it timing-wise. I think you'll get a much, much better buying opportunity over the next two to three years. But it should be on everybody's watch list. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And you and I both know that no one can predict exactly where the markets are going to move and when. But you need to be prepared to handle the market volatility and know that your portfolio is balanced so that you can handle the emotions. How nervous were you in the fourth quarter of last year? So if you need help with understanding the risk level in your portfolio, Steve and I can help. You can always go to investtalk.com, send us a message, and we'll get right back to you. Now the phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Tomorrow, Steve Peasley will be meeting with listeners in New York City to show them how they could improve the performance of their portfolios. And he's added a return visit date for New York, November 7th. Learn more and register for your no-cost portfolio review now at investtalk.com. Let's go to Bob in Sacramento. He's looking to buy TVIX or short the TVIX. Um, actually, thank you for taking my call. I, I actually bought TVIX. I, I put twenty thousand down on it, and I got it for twelve forty. I didn't think I was going to be able to buy it, but it hit today. And um, I was just wondering if you think that's a complete stupid idea, um, or do you think that's a 50-50 shot, or, or just what's your thoughts on it? It's, it's not really money that I'm, I'm not really that worried about if I lose half of it. Okay. And are you looking to hold this for an extended period of time, a week, month? What is it? I'm planning on selling it at $16. Okay. So you just uh, you think that it can rally to about $16. And for everyone else, this is the Velocity Shares Daily 2x VIX short-term ETN. So it's going long 
double leveraged the VIX index. And you, these are vehicles that no one should ever, 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 ever hold for an extended period of time. However, if you do think for whatever reason the volatility is going to expand or go up over the next week, two weeks, something like that, this can be something you would use to play that upside in the in the VIX. So I would never look at just this ETF because it's not moving based on the ETF. The ETF is moving based on an index, and so you want to look at the volatility index. And you know, we had an explosion higher from about 1250 all the way to about 25 in late July, and you've had a retrace now to about 14 on the VIX. This is actually a what are called a bullish wedge, bullish consolidation pattern, and it should explode higher. The big question is, is it going to explode higher in enough time to make up for what is called the, uh, what do they call it? The, basically, the, the leverage creates um, tracking error. There we go. I was trying to get the name. But is it going to move fast enough to make up for the tracking error that happens really on a daily basis? Now, to end of this week is quadruple, quadruple witching, and you often see a, an opposite move in the markets post quadruple witching. So that's why I do think next week is likely to be uh, a more volatile week to the downside if we do get a move. But if we don't get a move by the end of next week on the volatility index or just the markets on a whole, then I would be out of TVIX. So I'd give this a week and a half. Otherwise, I would be out if you don't get a move between now and the end of next week. Thanks, thanks for the call, Bob. Now let's take a quick look at some key benchmarks. We have unemployment at 3.7%. Industrial production was up six-tenths of 1%. Housing starts today were the strongest we've seen in a while. I've said this before, how low rates will eventually feed into positive news about the housing market. And you've seen some positivity, probably not as, as much as... I would like to see with a huge drop in, in mortgage rates, but that is a po- that's the first big positive number I've seen from the housing market in over a year. So that's a, a, a big thing for the economy if that can hold, and you know other parts of the economy you know don't roll over further, like manufacturing, like we saw last week. So that's a big issue. Gold was up a little bit, then it retraced. It, it was kind of flat most of the day. And that's about it. Bitcoin continues to consolidate bullishly. Now, in tomorrow's Invest Talk, despite trade tensions with China and weak demand for chips, semiconductor stocks have rallied this year as investors looked to the next generation of network technology known as 5G. That's story tomorrow. Give me a call. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. We have some important calendar dates for you. First... Steve Peasley is taking reservations for his no-cost portfolio reviews. The next availability will be October 10th in San Jose, and then November 7th in New York City. And the next KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference will be held in Irvine, California on October 12th. That is a Saturday. You can learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. My main talking point today considers the federal government is seriously considering 
issuing 50-year bonds next year. And this is coming from Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. And right now, the longest bond the government issues when it comes to treasuries is a 30-year bond. And this comes on the heels of President Trump tweeting that he thinks the U.S. should look at refinancing its debt load, which recently eclipsed the $22.5 trillion mark. Now, more than a dozen other developed countries have already issued these quote-unquote ultra-long bonds, some as long as 100 years. Canada recently issued a 50-year bond in 2014. Mexico, Belgium, and Ireland have all issued 100-year bonds as well. And some companies have even issued 100-year bonds. So this is not unprecedented. They would not be there. We would not be the first. And with rates so low, it looks fairly attractive to extend the borrowing needs or borrowing base of our treasuries outstanding and extend the weighted average maturity in order to de-risk funding, right? So if you always have to constantly roll your borrowing every year or in the Fed's case, every month really, it creates a lot of supply on a monthly basis. You're seeing that now. And there's not always the demand, or at least in today's case, the balance sheet for banks and other institutions to buy up our debt. So this would change the dynamics of the treasury market dramatically, but it would also worsen our finances as a country because... Borrowing for a short periods of time tends to have a much lower rate than borrowing for an extended period of time. Now, right now, your two and 10 year are roughly the same. So the borrowing cost for that part of the curve is lower. But you go out to 30 years, you know, you get much, much higher, right? The two year, sorry, the 10 year treasury is at 1.78 and the 30-year treasury is at 2.23. So it's about 50 basis points higher, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you have a deficit of $22 trillion, it can add up. So think about what a 50-year bond or a 100-year bond would cost, probably somewhere around 30% or higher. And certainly that, if interest rates in general move up, that's certainly going to, uh, certainly going to put more strain on our finances as a country than we already have. So I think it's a relatively good idea, but I don't think this is something that's that's uh, it's a great strategy because I think it's necessary. That's where we're at now. It's necessary for us to extend our debt so long because of how much debt we have as a country. Let's go to Alex in Florida looking at Prudential. Uh, hi, I want to know, uh, is it a good time to buy Prudential insurance or I can wait? All right, you're looking at Prudential. This is a stock that has taken a hit recently from a high of about 105, 106, hit a low of 77 or so, and now we're at $89 a share. Are you looking to 
own it long term or is this like a trade? What's your goal here? Like five years. Okay. Five years. Well, let's let me look at the value here on Prudential. It's a thirty-five billion dollar market cap, very minimal debt, about a billion dollars. Positive free cash flow about five billion. I like that. Pays about four and a half percent dividend yield and can certainly afford it. Um, I I kind of like it. It looks relatively cheap. Enterprise value to EBIT is about seven point three. Not crazy high. Um, let me look at the longer term chart. Chart. I really need to understand. It's definitely in a downtrend. It's just is this a downtrend that's going to kill the, the long term technicals? And I'm going to say no. I I don't mind it. I actually kind of like Prudential here. So. For a five-year hold, I'm a fan of potential, even though you know I don't love the finance sector, the financials, but I do like insurance a little better than average, especially now that the fiduciary rule is gone, not gone, but been amended to benefit the brokers and insurance companies of the world. I think that's a problem that is in their rearview mirror for the most part, even though they'll be dealing with it for a while, but I think the major threat is behind them. And therefore, I think their prospects are definitely much, much better. Now, due to strong demand, we have added new dates for Steve's one-on-one no-cost portfolio review consultations, October 10th in San Jose and November 7th in New York City. This will be your chance to get Steve's guidance in a personalized sit-down session, one-on-one, an hour and a half with him. So reserve your spot for a complimentary consultation by registering at investtalk.com. Now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. From sunrise to sunset. Hi, Steve. This is Carol in Alabama. From dusk till dawn. Hey, guys. It's Carl from Philadelphia. The questions keep coming. I had a question regarding portfolio yield. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Big fan of the podcast from New York here. I'm calling from the Chicagoland area. From Newport, Kentucky. Invest Talk listeners have one objective. This is Frank from the Bay Area. Financial freedom. Had a question on your opinion about this Vanguard Total Bond Market Index Fund. How they get there and when they get there is up to them. My question today is about diversification. But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance. I really thank you guys for all of your knowledge and wisdom. Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hello, uh, Steve, Justin, uh, Milani here from Bay Area. Thank you very much for the show. Steve, Justin, I have a question about the fund VGPMX. It was a former Vanguard Precious Metals and Markets Index Fund. Would you guys consider this fund being okay instead of investing in gold? I mean, would that be not a dumb move <laughs> to invest in this uh, fund? I mean, I pretty much all my money are in a Vanguard fund, so 
I was thinking about sticking with it. So thank you very much to you. Bye-bye. All right, looking at VGPMX, and this is a name that holds a good amount of gold positions. The top two names are Agnico Eagle Mines and Barrett Gold. That makes up about 12.5% of the overall portfolio. There are a smattering of other gold names as well, so you get decent exposure there. But it looks like they have some exposure to uranium and Kimiko. They have some financials, UBS Group, for example. They also have consumer staples like Procter & Gamble and then some utility names like Edison. So it's fairly diversified and it's an interesting mix just because there's it's kind of all over the place. But I like that they have a pretty heavy hand in the metal space and I like it overall. The technicals look fairly good uh, compared to the overall market. So I'm a fan of VGPMX is the symbol, which is the Vanguard Global Capital Cycles Investor Mutual Fund. Sounds like they changed the name. 88899 chart, 88992-4278. Let's talk a little bit about the repo market. I know it's not exciting, but it is an important aspect of our financial system today. And Earlier this week, there was a spike in overnight borrowing rates that forced the New York Federal Reserve to come to the rescue. Now, what this is, is where banks borrow from each other or other institutions, and you pledge collateral. What a repo is, you're pledging collateral saying, here uh, here are treasuries, for example. We have these treasuries. We're going to give them to you. You're going to give us some money, and then we agree to buy back those treasuries from you at a future date at a lower price or sorry a higher price so you're going to get some sort of return on that for giving me your money that i need right now okay so that's what a re that's what a repurchase agreement is a repo is what they call it now tuesday morning the fed came in and needed to be a lender right to get money out there into the system because there was no money. Companies needed, uh, banks needed to borrow money, and they were willing and had collateral, just not enough people were willing to lend to them that capital, at least at these lower rates. So the rates skyrocketed. The rate should be around what the Fed funds rate is in the, in the twos, low twos. Now we're in the high ones after the Fed rate cut today. And that went as high as 10% in some instances which basically means the Fed lost control. There was a lack of liquidity. And this goes back to what I've been talking about, is the massive deficit that we have in our country that we're running every single year, and it just got worse, and it's only getting worse because of the tax cut, because of 10,000 baby boomers retiring every day, and uh, massive off-balance sheet liabilities now coming on balance sheet. So there's certainly a mix of factors. And then you have the Fed, which was printing money to buy up treasuries. They're no longer doing that. Now, they're no longer shrinking their balance sheet, but they're not growing their balance sheet either. So clearly, the funding market is stressed because of this lack of liquidity. And when you had the these QE, you had the Fed going out there buying assets, and that was pumping liquidity pumping what is called excess reserves into the banking system. And slowly, as our deficits increased, as the Fed did QT, which they now stopped, like I said, that drew down the excess reserves in the banking system. 
and you're getting a problem similar to 2008, but different. 2008, it was the call, it was the bank. The overall bank was they didn't trust. They didn't trust the banks that they were lending to, so they just stopped lending. That's not really the case here. It's just there aren't lenders to lend because they don't have the excess capital to do so. And that's being driven by the massive deficits that we have here in the United States. So the Fed is going to have to do one of two things. They're going to either continue with this repo operation, which I think they will. I think they're going to continue to... This this temporary repo operation is going to turn permanent. And when that's not enough, they're going to have to return to printing money, which is essentially monetizing the debt. And that's where we are at today. The Fed must monetize the debt. Otherwise, they're going to lose control of the cost of money. So you either lose control of the cost of money, which is what's happening, or you lose control of the quantity of money. And that's, I think they rather keep control of the, the cost of money and go out there and print money, buy assets once again, buy treasuries. I don't think you're going to see this 50% treasuries and 50% mortgage-backed securities. Uh-uh. I don't think that's going to happen. It's going to be 100% treasuries. They're already doing that to an extent. They're letting the, the mortgage-backed securities roll off and mature, and they're reinvesting that into treasuries. So their balance sheet stays the same, but money is flowing consistently from the mortgage market into the treasury market. And even so, the treasury, it's sopping up so much liquidity that supply of treasuries coming on board is sopping up so much liquidity it's creating this funding crisis and that's where we're at and i think the market is not realizing it the market is not talking about it the media is not talking about it we are very close to a credit crisis here in the united states when it comes to the federal government i'm justin klein you're listening to invest Talk. And obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis. That's why you're here. So I encourage you to subscribe to our KPP premium newsletter. It comes out every Friday. In the newsletter, you get valuable information such as week's market analysis, portfolio management guidance, and stock ideas and personal finance tips as well. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. For serious investors interested in improving their ability to build financial freedom, we have an important invitation to a new KPP Wealth Management Conference. Earning yield in a no-yield world. Investing in real estate, stocks, and bonds. Speakers will include Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. And they'll be joined by real estate experts and a trust attorney. The October 12th conference in Irvine, California, will cover these topics. Understanding real estate investing, from buy and hold to vacation rentals and land banking. How the trade war and economic trends will affect stocks and bonds. Ways to increase your income potential and defer taxes using trusts. And a lot more. Seating is limited to 50 attendees. Sign up early to get reduced pricing. Tell your friends the newest KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference is set for October 12th. 
Learn more and sign up now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve, Justin. This is Sanket from Boston. I had a question for you on oil. As you know, crude oil spiked today from 60 to around 67, 68. Uh, now, I feel that this spike is, is temporary and that oil will come back to its baseline level of around 58, 60 in a short period of time. Just wanted to know your thoughts on, on shorting crude oil and what would be a good price at which you could short oil. I was thinking somewhere around $70, $72 a barrel would be the maximum. Just wanted to know your thought on this. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I agree. I do think that is a good resistance point on oil. That's still, you know, markets come down a little bit since uh, that recent spike. So clearly the short thesis is not that great. Um, And then you have to worry as well about the weakening dollar or a weakening dollar if the fed wakes up to the fact that they need to print money how much will that weaken the dollar or maybe president trump comes out and wants to weaken the dollar himself which clearly a strong dollar is bad for our industrial complex which is something he likes to support so and he's talked about weaker dollar being beneficial for the country as a whole so it would not shock me if he comes out and, and does something in order to weaken the dollar. And that would certainly give life to commodities in general, as well as the oil market. So not my favorite short in the world, but certainly if it does get back up to that 70 level, that would be a good place to short oil. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have 10 minutes left. So if you're going to call, you want to do it sooner rather than later. Now, last night... After the bell, FedEx came out with their earnings and they had their conference call and it was led by their chairman and CEO, Fred Smith, and he expressed some pretty extreme pessimism about the global economy. He basically implied that we're going to import the slowdown that's happened abroad. Now, earnings were poor. But guidance was even worse. They lowered their full-year guidance for fiscal 2020. And on the news, shares of FedEx dropped 14% near 52-week lows. And they blamed the U.S.-China trade war, partly a loss of Amazon's business, as well as a slowdown globally in the economy. He said, quote, I think there is a lot of whistling past the graveyard about the U.S. consumer and the United States States economy versus what's going on globally. He says U.S. U.S. business is so dependent upon exports and trade, and when you have your two biggest trading partners kind of frozen between the NAFTA rewrite and China trade, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that business investment starts slowing down. That's exactly what we're seeing. That was actually a quote from AT&T CEO, Chairman and CEO, Randall Stevenson. He said that on a presentation on Tuesday at the Goldman Sachs conference. So those are two of 
two CEOs and chairmen of some of the largest businesses in the world that have a pulse on what's happening across the United States. And it just goes to show you that you can't have the rest of the world being as sick as it is. Your global PMIs have been negative for the majority of developed countries for a while now. You're getting some bounces. You're getting some decent uh, improvements from some of them. But there's still broad-based weakness. Remember, before it used to be if the United States catches a cold, the rest of the world catches a fever. Well, the opposite is true as well. And so the trade war, tightening monetary policy over the last couple of years globally has certainly weighed on business in general. So there's a multitude of factors. And you can also include populism. Right? A lot of countries are turning inward and away from globalization because of political reasons. You see this a lot in Europe. And you see it here in the United States with Trump. Trump is a populist. Many of his fervent supporters feel that globalization has been a net negative for them. Now, you can argue otherwise, but that's how they feel. And they're not alone in feeling that around the world. So it's very interesting to see that the likes of AT&T, the likes of FedEx, are on the pulse of the global economy as well as the domestic economy and they see things much worse than kind of the overall headlines pretty interesting 88899 chart 88992 now has walmart been knowingly discriminating against female employees in its stores a new report from a wall street journal has cited memos from the equal employment opportunity commission that claims There is a reasonable cause to believe that for 178 women, Walmart paid less, denied promotions, or both because of their gender. Walmart shares were obviously down because of this news, but uh, pretty interesting that they would, they're, they're supposed to be one of the most equal opportunity employers in the country. And with the political wins how they are, this is an important issue that certainly could weigh on their business overall. And you saw this with, uh, you saw this before. Walmart's always been in political hot water, and I see no changes here. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here, and that's to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart. On the next Invest Talk, despite trade tensions and weak demand for chips, semiconductor stocks have rallied this year. Investors are looking ahead to 5G technology. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen, Justin, uh, Nick from Long Island. Uh, love the show. Uh, just was giving a call. Just was curious what you thought about, um, I guess, like there was uh, 
some news from CNBC and The Hill about uh, an interview that they did with Greenspan, you know, previous Fed Reserve chair, speaking about how he thinks that negative interest rates are going to spread to the United States. And I know that that's spoken about a lot on the show. So I was just curious what you thought of that coming from someone who was a previous insider. And I know that we, you know, that you speak a lot about how the United States obviously right now is a safe haven for at least a, a good place to put your money if you want to be in bonds. So uh, just wanted to uh, hear back from you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for everything you guys do. Very apropos question on Fed Day, and we certainly have negative rates in Europe and Japan. And the reason I believe Greenspan's saying that is because if you look at the major economies, that's the way it's all gone, right? Japan was the first to go to negative rates, as they were the weakest and least diversified economy. Then it spreads to Europe, as they're certainly weaker than we are and have their political issues. And then the expectation is eventually spread here to the United States as financial repression continues. Do I think that the Fed will eventually go to negative rates? I really don't. I definitely don't think it's out of the possibility. But I see central banks starting to pivot. And I think we're going to pivot, or they're going to pivot, to different policy tools before they go to negative rates. Because they see the problems it's created in Japan and Europe, and it creates bad banks. Think of Deutsche Bank, Credit Suisse, banks that are on the brink of failure all the time because capital is just being sucked out of the banking system there and creating more problems really than it's solving. And so the, the mechanism for monetary policy or negative rates usually is the banks, right? Because they're the ones that are lending. But I see that changing now. I see it eventually turning to something like MMT, meaning the fiscal policy will pick up spending from government, whether that's just straight up entitlements, giving people money or uh, infrastructure spending, with the support of central banks saying, we'll do QE. Yes, it's going to put a bigger hole in your budgets, but we're here to buy up, do QE, buy up those assets, buy up your treasuries, and support it. And this is where I see monetary policy going. So I don't think we'll go to negative rates before they fully implement something like an MMT, some shades of it in some way. And I think how it's implemented will simply come down to who's in charge in in Congress. You know, if it's a Republican, it's likely going to be some sort of infrastructure project. If it's a Democrat, it probably will be more along the lines of a social welfare program. Okay, so that's where I see monetary policy going, not to negative interest rates. Now, if we keep moving, we can squeeze in another caller question here at 888-99-CHART. Or, or are we not? I guess we don't have time for that. I think that's it. I think we're going to close it up for the day. Sorry, we didn't have... Uh, no, I think my, my producer wants me to go to another story, but I'm going to pass on it. All right, I guess I'm going to talk about Boeing. Boeing's full board of directors expected to hear a report detailing certain structural corporate changes that could make their plane safer, is really what it comes down to. The unit one under the proposal 
Engineers would report directly to the company's head engineer instead of a business unit leader. And this is because the business unit leader may favor production deadlines over fixing problems, which may have been the root cause of the 737 MAX problems. So that could have been the big issue, and that's how they're hopefully fixing the problems longer term. All right, I think I'm done. I think we're done. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Steve Peasley is in New York City to conduct portfolio reviews, so I will return tomorrow. Have a good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.